Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. My favorite, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite chapters in God's Word is Luke chapter 15. And I think it gets misconstrued. There's three stories in there, uh, and we're going to hit all three of them super, super quick. Uh, but if you had to sum up uh, Luke chapter 15, it's the aspect of, of lost and found. But it's not lost and found like, like what people think. I think a lot of times we misinterpret it, but it's really about worth. Like the whole chapter of Luke chapter 15 is the aspect of defining what things are worth, and it's where we can describe and figure out what we're worth. And so if you have your Bibles, if you're on a phone or wherever you may be, turn to Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 1, and then we're going to end with one of Jesus' brothers, Jude, and we're going to end in Jude uh, 17 through 23. But just real quickly, let me get us started with this uh, in chapter 15 of Luke, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, him being Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Now, before we get started, you just need to know that's the premise in which the rest of the whole chapter is going to be built around. You have Jesus the Messiah, and he is eating and fellowshipping with the people that, you know what, as a Jew, you ain't supposed to do that. Like, you're eating with the people that aren't us. You're eating with the outcasts. You're eating with the people that aren't qualified. These people aren't good enough. Like, before there were ever social classes, there were social classes. Before there was economic structures and, and, you know, these different rankings as far as upper class or middle class or lower class, whatever those mean, you still had these social structures. And they may not have been economic-based, but they were based on religion in the Middle East. You had the Jews, and then you had the Gentiles, and then you had Samaritans. And depending on where you fell in that, just by the way you were born, would identify between where you would be at. And one of the things would be the job that you did. And if you were a tax collector, you weren't looked at very favorably because the way you made your living is if somebody owed 10%, well, you would charge them 12%. And then you'd keep the 2%. Uh, but it's one of those things that, you know, it, you just, you weren't looked at real favorably. And so because of that, the Jewish people were saying, you know what? These government entities, these different people, these sinners, these people, like we just, we're gonna, we're gonna take our toys. We're gonna go over here and we're going to like, like, we're not going to associate with these people. And Jesus comes on the scene and he changes everything. Now, to give you an understanding of, of why Luke has this in his gospel, because he was inspired by God, I believe that the word of God is the inerrant word of God. It was inspired by him, written through the Holy Spirit, through man's hand. But you need to know Luke's profession. Luke was a physician. And so when he was inspired by God to write one of the four gospels, he was a physician. And so his whole focus, if you read the gospel of Luke, is about people. He is consumed with people. That's the reason why if you look at this, he's like, man, there were, he's talking about people, right? He's saying people matter. No matter where they're at, no matter what they're going through, no matter what you may say about them, all People matter. Being a physician, you don't turn around when somebody shows up sick and say, well, you know what? I'm not gonna help you even though you're really sick and about to die because you're not good enough. You have this aspect in you that you're like, I wanna help everybody. That's what God's called me to. I'm a physician. I help those that are hurting. 
And Jesus kind of uses this, and he's letting them know. And so look how he answers them. Because of the grumbling that's going around, because he's eating with the people that are the outcasts, he gives them three stories. The first one, he says, so, in verse three. So he told them this parable. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he, was, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And I think we, a lot of times, look at this parable, and to be honest with you, I think we miss it. Like we get so caught up in the 99 that we don't realize what he's really talking about with the one. This parable is not about the relationship that he has with the 99. It's about the relationship that he had with the one, and he wants that relationship again. But with what's going on here, what Jesus is saying is, listen, you're grumbling, but it's because you don't see the worth. See, I'm not so consumed with the 99 sheep that are, that are doing the right thing, that are in the field, that are listening to the shepherd, that are acting right, what I'm consumed with is, is there is one that I had a relationship with, that I created and dwelt with them, but then they walked away. And as much as I love the ones that are being righteous, I also still love the one that, that is left. And so what? He says, and, and you leave the 99 and you go and find the one with with animals, if you've ever had a dog that's run off, you don't sit there and go, well, you know, it's okay, honey. We, we still got the other ones. You literally, you're like, wait a minute. No, we got to go find, like one of our dogs is missing. We got to go find this dog. If I go to Disney World, I don't go, well, hey, honey, we got four out of five. That's pretty good. It's time to go back to the hotel. Amy would be like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, we're missing one. Well, you know, but it wasn't even the one we like. It doesn't matter. Why? Because there's, there's worth there. And because there's worth there, you turn and you're like, I, I want to find them. Listen to me. What Luke is talking about, what Jesus is explaining to these Pharisees and scribes and religious leaders is they don't have a belief issue. They have a worth issue. They don't see the sinner and the tax collector with the same worth that Jesus sees them. He doesn't look at them as sinners and tax collectors and, oh, they're so bad and why are they here? No, he sees their worth. In fact, he talks about these sheep that are lost and, and how a shepherd goes. And, and I actually did a little bit of research and, and I actually was able to find what it looks like for most of us in the room. I got a short video that'll show you, like, here's, here's what it looks like in your life. Do you have that video? Show it with, with a sheep that, that gets rescued. There we are, stuck. And it's like, oh, I'm gonna help. I'm gonna, and like, sweet baby Jesus. Yes, sir, he did it. That's awesome. Oops. <laughs> like, that's you and me, isn't it? It's like, it's like as soon as we get out, we're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then we go jump right back in the same ditch. And I looked at this video and I got tickled because I started thinking about all the different ways that, that unfortunately God's church acts. Like, like if, if, if I was a, you know, 
cinematographer and was able to make videos, I'd love to be like, like, as I got it in my mind that like this sheep gets released and before he jumps in, he goes over to the, the crevice and looks down at all the other sheep and be like, hey man, you really shouldn't be down there. And start demeaning the other sheep because can't believe that you got stuck down there. Even though they just got unstuck themselves. Or I think about another image in my head that I think about today's church is I think a lot of times what the, like we're stuck in that crevice and there's another sheep in front of us that's stuck in the crevice. And we start explaining to them, I know why you got stuck. And try to tell them how bad they are and can't believe that they're stuck. And they're like, well, you stuck. Well, yeah, but the reason why I'm stuck is I got stuck because I'm trying to help you get unstuck. And the reality is, is that we all are on a journey, right? We all are these, these sheep that, that we can't help it. Like they pull us out of the crevice and what do we do? We run and jump right back into another one. And I love the fact that God doesn't sit there and go, you know what? That one ain't worth it. This is the fifth ditch I've pulled him out of today. I'm just, like all you guys that are listening, all the 99, leave him alone. I'm tired of dealing with him. Like, let's go. No, Jesus says, no, no, that, that's one of mine. That's one that I love. That's one that I have a relationship with. Here's what really blows my mind is I believe that Jesus is in the part of pulling sheep out of ditches even though the sheep run from him and never accept him. It's called grace. And because of God's grace, he's constantly saying, but I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get them out. Why? Because if, if I get them out, then there's an opportunity for them to run to me, not away from me. But as long as they're stuck in that ditch, they can't go nothing. They can't run away from me, but they can't run to me either. And then he goes into another one, and it's really important to see the language because it ties it all together. Then the very next one, he starts off in verse eight, and listen to the very first word, or, or. So he's telling him another parable, but it has the same principles as the first one. And again, he's trying to explain to them, the ones that are grumbling about him being with the sinners and the tax collectors, he's trying to explain to him the why. And he says, or that woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now, we may not understand the sheep, but all of us can understand money, can't we? I mean, if you ever, guys in the room, women, you're a lot more sophisticated than us. Guys in the room, have you ever just tried to figure out, like, I, where, I, somebody stole $10 from my wallet? It wasn't that you spent it. You're trying to retrace your, you're like, this morning, I started out and I had this amount of money. And here we are two days later, and like, I'm, I'm missing money. You know, like, like, Lou, did you get some money out of my wallet? Which she's like, I, I never get money out of your wallet. Addison, Addison, you get, Dad, I don't get any wallet. Bray, nobody ever gets in my wallet, but I always feel like I'm missing money. And then when I retrace my, retrace my steps, what I ends up realizing is, is I go, oh, that's right, I, I stopped and got gas. And I went in there, and I got, I got chocolate milk and honey bun. That's right. Like it's, you start realizing that you, you spent money and you didn't realize it, but you automatically start assuming that something's lost and you start fretting and trying to figure out. Worst moment of my life, two worst moments of my life. When I wake up and don't know where my keys are, 
But bigger than that is when I have no idea where my wallet is. And every time, both of them are in the same place I left them. I mean, I've tore the house apart looking for my wallet. And there's never a point that Amy looks at me and says, well, honey, here's another wallet. Well, don't worry about that wallet. I'm like, no, that, that's got, well, what's in it? Nothing. <laughs> well, then what's it matter? Well, because it's my wallet. And, it, and it's got our cards. And it's got different things in it. And Amy's like, okay, does it got any money in it? Well, no, but it ain't the point. Like, it's, it's, it's mine. It's mine. It has worth. It's something I want. And I'm not going to stop looking for it. And I don't know how you are at your house, but when I'm in those moments, this is embarrassing to admit it, but I mean, a kid could be cut open, bleeding, and need stitches. But I can't get past the fact that I can't find my wallet. Like, the only thing I'm like, that, that, just put a towel on it. You'll be okay. And when I find my wallet... We can go to the emergency room and figure out what to do next. Like, I can't get past it. I get consumed with it. You're like, you have issues. I, nobody ever argued with you. I never said I didn't. But I'm just telling you, like, that's, like, I get so consumed with it. Why? Because of the different things that I feel like that I have worth in it to it. I think about all the things that I'm gonna have to do if I can't find this. Like, my first response when I can't find my wallet is, I'm gonna start canceling all these cards. I'm gonna go get a new driver's license. I'm gonna have to change my auto pays. I'm gonna, like I go through this whole diatribe before all of a sudden I go, oh, that's right, I left it in my truck, <laughs> you know? But for five minutes, I mean, I was, I was fit to be tied. That same sort of, I don't wanna use the word anxiety because we, we have made that to be something different in 2023, but that same sort of pressure, I believe is what God's talking about when he's like, you know what, listen, it's no different than a woman who has 10 pieces of silver and loses one. She like gets a lamp. She starts searching the house. She sweeps. She looks through everything. Guys, I'll help you understand this a little bit more. Here's something that every guy can relate to because you guys may be more responsible than me. You may not ever lose your wallet. You may not ever misplace your keys. But you ever not been able to find the remote? <laughs> yes, sir. And it's always right before what you was wanting to watch is coming on, Right? I, I have had remotes wrapped up and given to me at Christmas because my family thinks it's funny when I can't find them and it's been a while and they find it rather than giving it to me to end the anxiety in my life, they'll just wait a few months and I can get it as a stocking stuffer, <laughs> which is real fun. But you know, like all of a sudden you can't do, like, like just use your phone to change the TV. That's not the point. I gotta find this. I want to know where it is. Who had it last? You start blaming everybody. Listen, I think that's what Jesus was trying to tell them with these two parables. It's like, you're missing the point. There's something of great worth to me and I've lost it. And I don't worry about everything that I have, even though I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the things that I have, but the problem is I can't think about the things that I have. Why? Because there's something that I had that I want and I've lost it and I'm gonna find it. And when I find it, there's gonna be great rejoicing. And then to drive the point really home, because I'm sure the Pharisees and the scribes were just kind of sitting there going like, well, yeah, whatever. You know, I don't, I don't really care about gold coins. I don't really care about sheep. Then he goes into the next part that most people have heard. And the third part of chapter 15 is he says, it's like a man that had a son. And he starts talking about the parable of the prodigal son. And all of a sudden, everybody can understand that, right? 
All of a sudden, we're like, okay, now we're no longer talking about temporary things. Now we're talking about eternal things. And he talks about how this son goes away and he asks for everything that he has and he takes his stuff and he goes and he spends it in the city. He ends up eating with the pigs and, and ends up coming back to the father. And when he comes back to the father, the father doesn't hold it over his head saying, well, you know what, son, you, you asked for all your inheritance and I gave it to you and you went and blew it like a big dummy and now you're coming back. So I'm gonna let you stay here, but you're gonna be like a slave. No, the father sees him coming, runs and greets him at a distance. That the concept, real quick rabbit, the only reason why the father knew and saw him at a distance is because he's always looking for him. There was never a moment in a day while that son was gone that the dad wasn't looking out there going, man, I hope today's the day. And all of a sudden when he looked out there and saw his son at a distance, he'd been praying, he'd been looking, and he recognized him no matter what he looked like. And he went running to him. He immediately recognized his son had come home. And he told his other son, who was a little bit bitter, Go kill the fatted lamb. We're throwing a party. And he celebrates and he receives his son and, and puts on a new robe and gives him a ring and he celebrates. And he says, what once was lost is found. And he talks about my son has come home. Those are the three things that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 15. And all three of them resolve around one simple concept. People matter. And it's about your worth. Like sometimes in church life, we think about all the different people that God is using and we don't know where we fit in. And I want you to know that God looks at you with great worth. He will leave the 99 to go get the one. He will realize that I've got 10 coins, but I'm missing one. I've only got nine, so I'm gonna stop what I'm doing and I'm gonna get a lamp and I'm gonna sweep the whole house and I'm gonna check everywhere. And until I find the other one, I'm not moving on. He doesn't celebrate in his family like, well, you know what? We, we did real good with one child. He goes, no, no, no. I'm gonna be consumed with the child that has left me and I'm gonna be praying and want them to come back. As we go into this summer, I think we gotta ask ourselves one question. And here's the way I wrote it in my notes. Things of a great worth require a worthy effort. Like, like the effort that I give to something usually defines what I think its worth is like. I'm gonna blow some of you guys' minds because everybody thinks I hate dogs and I don't hate dogs. I just don't want my own dog. I like your dog. I like the neighbor's dog that comes over. Well, can it stay at my house? No, I don't want a dog. I'm selfish because I want to be able to go to the beach and do everything and not have to pay somebody to come watch that dog. So, but, but I, I, I went and I bought a little dog treat this week. Bought a little blue little ball and I bought some, some dog treats for my three grand dogs and we're out there playing and I'm feeding them. We're laughing and we're cutting up. And, and, and Amy's like, what are you going to do with these dogs? They're like, they ain't my dogs. You know, and then and I'm like, y'all going home. I'm like, see ya, I'm going inside and shutting the door. But do you know that, that while I'm doing that, even though they, they're just my grand dogs, like there's still times that I'm, I'm walking around in my yard and I start whistling. And I start hollering for them. One of them's a pup. You know what its name is? Pup. All right? And I'm like, pup, come here. And all of a sudden this little gray puppy little dog comes right, and it's just the cutest little thing. And I'm like, oh, he's okay. But if I don't see him for a few days, you know what? I actually, I'd actually be driving in my truck and be looking around. Making sure the dogs are okay. You say, well, Mickey, that seems like a whole lot for dogs. It does. Like I know, and, and I'm not there yet. Maybe one day I will. There's nothing wrong if you are. But I mean, I know people that take their dogs everywhere. 
Like, I know, I know people like, like, it's been a long time since I've eaten at a restaurant that it didn't seem like I sent by a dog. You know what I mean? Like, I go to Home Depot and somebody's got their dog. I go, you know, I mean, like, if I go to the pet store, I expect to see animals, but I don't expect to see animals every single place that I go. But, man, they're like, this is my dog, this is my dog, this is my dog. It, my mother has a dog, you know, that means a whole lot to her, which is great. In fact, Addison had a birthday and got a card from the dog. Like, not only just from Nana and Papa, then her own individual card from Lucy that, that had a paw print. Like, she signed it with a paw print. And you say, what's your thoughts on that? I don't have thoughts on that. Why? Because I love my mother. I'm not going to say nothing. <laughs> but I'm just going, wow, that's cute, cool, and a little bit much. But at the same time, to each their own. And I think about everything. Like, like if somebody came in my yard when my three grand dogs were there and just came up there and, and kicked one of them dogs, like I love Jesus, but I'd be like, I'm, I'm we thing to go. And I think about the way we treat animals and the way these dogs are running around and, and I feed them. Why? Because they look like they need to be fed. But then I can drive down the road to somebody that's holding a sign on the side of the road and it doesn't bother me. Like I got dogs in my neighborhood that look a little scrawny, so I feed them. But I got a lady with three kids on the corner at Walmart that it doesn't bother me at all. And it made me wonder, is something wrong? I know, that just got real deep real quick, didn't it? See, what I'm talking about today is, is, is when it comes to people, where do we put their worth? And I think that it, that it really boils down, like with, with animals, we're like, well, it ain't their fault. You know, they're just a little stray dog. Somebody need to take care of the dog. But with people, they made a choice. Well, I don't know that. But I do think that there's something we can do. And so what I wrote down, and I'll just read it. If people really are of worth, then as a church, we need to have a worthy effort to show them where their worth lies. And three simple things that I wanna share with you, and then I'm done, very quickly. What should be our response going into this summer of how to handle people? And it's in Jude. Jude, you can turn to Jude 17. Now, before you start flipping in your Bible saying they ain't, they ain't I don't know where Jude said, there's only one book, it's Jude, and it just has verses. So it's Jude, verse 17. And listen to what Jesus' brother Jude says. He says, but you must remember, beloved, the prediction of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says to them, listen, here's what he tells them to remember. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause division worldly people devoid of the spirit. And so what he's telling them is say, listen, you need to understand when it comes to responding to people and what their worth is, don't get caught up in their actions that you lose sight of what their worth is. Because you gotta remember what Jesus talked about. In the end times, there's going to be people that are scoffers. They're gonna be out for their own pleasures. They're gonna be doing different things. And so we don't look at that and go, well, these people just trying to take advantage. You just realize that means that Jesus is truthful. Like there's going to be people that don't look like you, don't act like you, don't talk like you. And even more than that, they're going to talk about you. They're going to cause division. They're going to cause separation. They're going to come at you. You say, how do you handle that? Well, he tells you. 
He's the next thing he says, but you. He changes it. He says, but you, beloved. In other words, he's saying, hey, hey, but you're different. Like these people, they're doing this because they don't know Jesus. But you, beloved, another way of putting that, but you, one who is loved by Jesus, now you, you're different. In those simple three words, he's saying, don't act like them. Don't be like them. Don't be devoid of the Spirit. Don't be one that causes turmoil. Don't be one that causes division. Don't be one that goes after his own passion. No, no, you're different. You're, you're one that's loved by God. And you have a relationship with God because God loves everybody. But you're one of the beloved. And then listen to what he says for us. He says, build yourselves up in the, your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And so in other words, he's saying, okay, you've got two people. Going back to Luke 15, you have the sinners and the tax collectors and you have the righteous. And, but there should be a difference in the way that these two act. And it's not that one's holier than thou and one acts like Hades. No, it should be the way that we love each other. The one that has a relationship with God that's been forgiven so much should be the one that's quick to forgive. It goes back to the sheep in the ditch. You ever notice that somebody that's been through really tough times is a lot more gracious with people that have been through those same things? Why? Because they know what it's like. I get tickled with the people that wanna talk to somebody that's in an addiction and talk to them like they're just some terrible person, like, like you just need to get over that. And they're like, because I've never had anything before in my life. I'm like, well, then you don't understand addiction. Because if you've ever had an addiction, you'd realize how hard it is to overcome addictions in your life. And you'd be a lot more gracious and a lot more encouraging and a lot more helpful. It doesn't mean that you wouldn't be as stern. You just would understand that it's not as easy as just, well, I ain't gonna do this anymore. Because if it was that easy, I promise, everybody would quit. Like, please don't take this the wrong way if you're somebody that smokes, because I'm not coming at you. But everybody that smokes knows it's not a matter of if, but when you're gonna die from cancer. You're like, well, why do they keep doing it? Because there's an addiction. There's nobody out there saying, hey, I'm ready to die from lung cancer. I just wanna keep smoking. No, they do it because their body has a craving and they have an addiction and they need some help to overcome that. And they need to find people that have grace and say, hey, let me help you and let's go through this and let's let yourself be, become more and, and eventually give some of these things up. And it doesn't happen overnight. You say, pastor, are you telling me that I should quit smoking? Listen, I will tell anybody, for your health, you need to quit smoking. You say, oh, well, do you think I'll go to hell if I smoke? No. The only reason why you go to hell is if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, period. And guess what? That fits any situation. I had somebody ask me one time, talking about different individuals, saying, do you think these people go to hell? Do you think these people go to hell? Do you think these people go to hell? And I said, well, you're asking the wrong question. People that do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, then because of their lack of relationship with Jesus Christ, their eternal punishment is hell. But if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then he tells you your eternal war reward is heaven. That's the question. You're asking the wrong question. 
So I'm not telling you, hey, if you smoke, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have to learn to be graceful with people and not judge them based on where they're at or what they look like. See, that's what the Pharisees and the scribes were doing. Why is he eating with the tax collectors? Why is he eating with the sinners? It's like if you hang around them, you, you're gonna get their sin on you. You're gonna just, you can't get it off. It's like hanging around Alabama fans. You get that on you and you can't get it off. You know what I'm saying? Like, like he's saying, let's go. And then he tells us what to do. And this is the whole point of today. Listen to the next verses. And then he tells us, if, if, if we do what we're called to do, he gives us some things to do. He says, and have mercy on those who doubt. Like, I, I just need you to let this sink in. What about the people that don't believe like I believe? Have mercy on the ones that have doubts. Don't be beating people over the head because they have doubts. Let me read, read, can I rephrase that a little bit differently? Aren't you glad people were patient with you on your journey? It would be amazing if that same patience was then given to other people on their journey. You say, but Mickey, I don't know how much time they have left. That ain't for you. Because I promise you beating people over the head ain't gonna make their time get any longer or any shorter. Just be diligent and have mercy with what he's given us. Then the second thing, he says, save others from, by snatching them out of the fire. That is talking about salvation. He's saying as you grow, you need to be consumed with people. And you just say, you know what? If given the ability, I'm gonna snatch them out of the fire. Can I give it to you a different way? If I see somebody in the ditch, even though there's a real good chance they're gonna jump back in the ditch, not that I save them, but through my words and the way that I love them and I show them Jesus, I'm gonna help get them out of the fire. And then the next thing, and this is where I got really intrigued. In the next part, he says, to others show mercy with fear. He said, to others show mercy with fear. The concept that's there is, be there where they are, show mercy with what they're doing, but have fear that you don't get entrapped by the same issue. Like as you're showing mercy, this doesn't mean like birds of a feather flock together and I'm just gonna hang out with you because I wanna be like, no, no, you need to have mercy with fear. In other words, you need to be careful that you don't get entangled by the same thing that has entangled them. Have mercy with fear that you don't get entrapped yourself. And then the last part, and I'm done, he says, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. See, the concept that's talking about when it's talking about these garments that being stained, and if you go back to Zechariah 3, 3 through 5, it's the aspect when Joshua shows up, I'm not Joshua, Joseph shows up, and they say, take these dirty clothes off of him. Take that, that headrest off of him. Clean him up. Give him new clothes. Give him a new turban. Dress him with worth. Don't look at him for what he is. Look at him for what he can be. Don't look at the outside and judge the whole thing because we could clean up the outside. The question is where he is on the inside. You say, Mickey, why are you sharing all this? Well, one simple thing. This summer, we're gonna be talking about we got one summer to live. And as we do that, I just want you to know there's gonna be a big emphasis of worth. 
And I wanna ask you, with the people that are in your life, what type of an effort do you give towards those people? Because things that are of worth deserve a worthy effort. In fact, you'll see a slide coming up that you need to write this date down. It's July the 22nd. You're gonna hear a lot over the next six weeks about serve day. You say, what is serve day? It's the one day during the year that we stop everything that we're doing and we line up 50 million projects and we go and we just serve people. You say, oh, we trying to help people that need help. No, actually, we just trying to serve anybody that'll let us. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give or text CRCC with your dollar amount to 73256. Once again, thanks for listening.